Hey everybody, it's Nolan North, you know, Nathan Drake from Uncharted, and you're listening to the Geek Apocalypse Podcast. Everybody, welcome to the latest episode of the Geek Apocalypse Podcast with yours truly, Mr. Stephen Hesse. And as you will have heard in the opening, I'm just adjusting my mic for the benefit of being more comfortable. And I sit in my lovely computer chair on October the 30th uh, the, in the afternoon to delight you with the solo episode, which you would have noticed um, because there's no introduction to talk about the guests. And obviously I'm here to talk why and to talk about a little few topics in this sort of solo edition. And uh, hopefully that'll be um, entertaining and maybe somewhat controversial um and debatable but uh we will we, we will see but um yeah um the reason i wanted to kind of talk about the fact that it's solo is because uh for the first time in a while since i've been doing this uh, god knows how long four or five years um i've had a lot of cancellations all at the same time which is obviously rare um and ricky who does the co-hosting with me uh on the odd occasion uh is was away for the weekend watching the anthony joshua fight uh, which he won uh, in the 10th round for those that care and uh spoiler if you haven't seen it yet and uh <laughs> and yeah so um i haven't had the chance to actually do a podcast with anyone or so this is the reason why i went i'll just have to do a solo one um because our plan uh with with ricky is to do a, a halloween edition uh which is obviously tomorrow uh, as this has been recorded um because uh, we actually talked about this in the last Mentally Sound podcast, which is a mental health show that we do, where I talked about my uh, complete lack of interest in horror, which considering I'm a hugely interested in a variety of different things, horror, I just don't like the idea of uh, being being uh, scared in a I've decided to be scared way. Um, I believe life is scary enough. Um, I don't like being sort of... Um, sort of shocked uh it's my least favorite emotion um maybe because obviously having bipolar disorder as well i have a very like emotional response to a lot of things um so it's one of these things that i'll never sort of get out of my head like i i made this joke i think on mentally sound where um i saw scream way earlier than i should have done and i obviously say it now and go it's not even that you know scary per se but when you say it that early um and it's about and you know a guy who like looks through windows and has that strange mask on and, and a knife um i saw it at like seven or eight uh through my friend's window as his parents were watching it and i was i was uh I was terrified. I was I was terrified, and it like I remember it like not leaving me and not being able to sleep and stuff like that. So I, I still to this day, as I'm nearly thirty, which I'll get to later in the show, uh, which is a couple of weeks time. Um, I, I'm I'm just totally like, oh my god, I can't uh, I I can't deal with it. Um, and I think from that point on, sort of uh, horror has not really been my thing. Uh, to kind of clarify that even further, um, me and uh, one of my best friends at the time growing up, we'd play like games like Resident. Evil with the sound off 
because somehow we thought that was better. Even though I would argue actually having the sign off is worse because you can't actually hear what's coming. You know, so you go around a corner and you're like, zombies, ah! Uh, or a liquor or something. Um, uh, and a liquor is a creature, not a rude thing. And uh, anyway, it did have a big tongue though. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, I, I were the plan, uh, the plan of doing a Halloween episode has probably made me eager to talk about that and, and joke around. And it gives me the opportunity to ignore trick or treaters, um, because I, I, I'm a classically bore, bore person in that I turn the lights off and whatever and don't answer my door. Um, because I find the whole thing, uh, annoying. Um, it's not my thing at all. Uh, although I did tell a very funny story about, uh, which was laughing, my fr- making my friends laugh, uh, a while ago by saying, what well, me and my, uh, there was a guy who lived across the road from me, um, uh, called Tony, and we heard, whether this was true or not is debatable, but we heard it, it that there were people in our area, because I lived in, even though, you know, from a working class family, um, uh, just outside Newcastle in England, and, we lived in in a nice area of this particular of the particular town that we live in, um, but it because it was just near like the next town, <laughs> um, so we we're kind of on the border of good taste. And um, so even though we were working class, lived in the good area. Unfortunately, my parents um, like bought their house when they were twenty one, like in the sixties, believe it or not. Um, so you know, they, they, well, they had that house since then, and they owned it. They owned it for like you know. A couple of hours in a couple of hours we'll make like double that so we were going around like saying like you know it's very you know, because you know you, you meet like maybe an, a, an older person who you know feels guilty didn't give you the money so it will uh decision um although like uh, i honestly think once you reach past i don't know how how what is the actual age is you stop trick-or-treating that's, teen. <laughs> that's the right answer um how about um i don't know whenever whenever you decide i don't in my opinion, I think after that certain period of time, I guess when you start drinking, maybe is what I'm getting at. I um, had no idea they were doing like an actual, you know, uh, uh, commentary, like a, a competition, sort of commentary. Yeah, they were commentating on, uh, on on everyone that was walking in, going, "Oh my god, that dress!" Um, and that was me. I was wearing a dress, but um, no, I wasn't. Um, but um, it was, and all it was, all I was wearing was like a costume that um, there was, a, you know, like a a, a, a really you know, a few pound, uh, under under ten pound thing that's just from a random store. So it wasn't exactly you know the most um, a, you know, well thought out, designable thing. So, um, I was quite pleased by that because we sat and then uh, had like uh, champagne. Like when we got back, it was really fun. Um, so that's kind of I like I like I like dressing up, and I think that's a a, a misused commodity these days. And um. You know, I would I would like to do that, but um, when I don't do that, I go back to being like I said earlier. Maybe we we'll record in the dark uh, to to really up the theme of it being uh, Halloween. Um, but there you go. Uh, so I hope you just have fun. Anyone who's listening who's doing Halloween, uh, um, and if you are over uh, sixteen and trick or still trick or treating, maybe you need to second guess that. Um, but there you go. So yeah, so as I, as I was mentioned in terms of cancellations, uh, there was supposed to be the Engage podcast guys I'd been talking to about getting on to talk about Star Trek Discovery, which I haven't seen an episode of yet because my kind of thought process was I was going to wait for them to okay it and then I'm going to binge watch it all. Um, because th- th- this will lead me into how much of a strange nerd I am, uh, nerd slash geek, um, because I... I 
I go through periods of time where I struggle to like new things, like new series in particular. Like I, I try very, very hard to want to get immersed in series because every time I see my friends, they'll obviously say like stuff like, "Oh, I watched The Flash," or "I watched Game of Thrones," um, or "The Walking Dead," which I watched the first two seasons on and really, really liked. And I'm really, really dumb enough that I go, "I really, really like them two series," but I haven't watched an episode since. And I have no idea why I'm like that, and I go through periods of time where I'm doing that. But then I'll 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 kind of get over it, and then have a few months where I'll watch loads of new things, um, and then stop watching them. I don't know. It's like a weird cycle thing. I don't know if it's mood related, but it's just really really dumb. Where whereas like I got Netflix a couple of like uh, redone Netflix for a couple of months because I stopped uh, I stopped using it, um, and then I wanted to. Uh, get it back um and i've been really enjoying it um and my thing has been watching sort of not even like either i've been watching things that i've already seen like star trek voyager or whatever um or Bot- bottom which is a television series in britain which i really recommend it's hilarious um i've been re-watching things uh or i've been watching really really like average movies uh, average like you know, I've been watching a lot of like Steve Austin films, which is basically um, Stone Cold Steve Austin, the the ex wrestler. I've been watching some of his films, which aren't the best, but bearably like a a, a, a one night entertainment thing, and you'll not really watch like watch that film ever again. Um, there was one film that I kind of oh, I kind of uh, I, I just went, oh, that looks all right, and I the premise seemed interesting. Uh, a film called Snitch. Which is with uh, The Rock, and I never even heard this when it even came out. And Susan Sarandon has is in it as well. She plays an attorney, and it was based on a sort of true story where where uh, 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 I, I, when I say I'm hesitating because I'm like it was a true story based on the fact that I'm assuming they took a particular case where uh, the guy who wrote it, I think it was written and directed by the same guy, and. I think you took a particular example that was the most interesting, but it was based on the idea that, uh, and I, I remember hearing this particular point at the time, is the drug wars in America, particularly with mar- marijuana, was that they were really, really hard on first-time offenders, and this film goes into that premise by using a, a case study in The Rock plays this guy's dad, and his son, um, I'm not spoiling the film by telling you this, is... That he uh, ends up taking a package from a supplier of marijuana, like because which he obviously had, or, had done before, but it was set up by an undercover cop. So he takes the package, and then like he gets his house gets raided, and he gets put in front of a tri- in, for, for trial. And they said you're going to get ten years, even if it's your first time offence, because we're coming down hard on 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 de- on people who are involved in dealers. But what they did at the time was that they decided to, uh, you you could get twelve months or less if you basically uh, went round uh, and snitched on the the dealer that you got it from. Like so, in this example, it was his friend. So the Rock's son, uh, the the Rock replays the son. Um, decides not to do that, and even though him and his dad don't have a great relationship. Um, his dad starts sort of respecting him for that and they respect each other because his dad goes okay that's fine you don't have to do it because he basically doesn't want to be doesn't rat want to rat his other friend out to get more jail just to get more jail jail time than he would which was an interesting i thought an interesting situation 
because um, you can understand both both sides of that. So the whole premise of the film is not just about you know exploring that, but the Rock goes to Susan Sarandon, who gave him a sentence, and says, "Has anyone ever um, set somebody up that's not the person who's going to jail? As in, can he take his son's place outside of jail and you know get this drug guy um, like?" do the operation himself like he'd he, him take the risk but his son still gets less jail time and so susan saran's response is like well it's your funeral um and also the guy who plays sean i think it's it sean in the walking dead i always get the names wrong uh plays like a, a, a an ex-junkie who works for the rock in a construction site and he's great, and this is pre, I think I'm right in saying this is pre-Walking Dead, or it might be around about the same time that it started. And he's really, really good. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on the actor's name because I Wikipedia'd him the other day. But he's really, really good. Um, uh, and I think he steals it because the reason I wanted to bring this up, because I was talking about this early, uh, a few days ago, is The Rock deserves credit so I'm not gonna, even though I'm, I'm, I'm sort of semi-criticizing him here and I'm, you know, who the hell he cares? Just, I'm a, you know, I'm a nothing and I'm, I'm criticizing one of the most famous actors, but I'm just saying he deserves praise because if you watch this film, which was, I think, somewhere, somewhere around like 2011, 12-ish, um, he really is not a great actor in it. Um, as in, it requires to be quite emotional and quite, guarded but caring about a son and have like that sort of chemistry and it really you really like sort of don't believe that he cares he's very like sort of wooden and very passive and um i don't think it was like his greatest thing but i remember it was during the period of time where i think i wouldn't be surprised if the rock i kind of because i remember during that period of time like i've seen a, quite a bunch of his films um uh which i was surprised that's why i was surprised i didn't see this one and I think it was just like a period of time where he went, I'll take anything because he wanted to get rid of the persona of that he was a wrestler and get experience being an actor. So there's nothing wrong with him being okay in this. But it's just interesting because you now compare it to even, I think, in the Fast and the Furious films that, um, you know, he, he plays that role like pretty well. Um, so I'm quite, you know, impressed by that. Um, that he's, you know, he's clearly put the work in, even if he's not that great. Um, so I thought that was an interesting, that it was interesting to watch in that sense because, you know, obviously, like I say, five years later, he's now in the most, like, sort of, you know, expen one of the most expensive actors and he's doing some really, really cool film projects. Even though, like I say, with this based on a true story or on a true pre premise, I thought that was, um, uh, an interesting, it was inter it was interesting enough that I watched the whole thing. Um, so, so it may be worth a watch if you've got Netflix, um, because I, I thought it was interesting just from that point of view. Even though I have to say, I say Susan Sarandon's in it, um, I, I'm, I'm guessing she got a fair amount of good money to do this because she's barely in it. And it was kind of like not the greatest acting part for someone of her, her caliber. Um, you know, it was just basically just, you know, um, uh, trying to be a sort of cold hearted person and she's only in about like five or six scenes, if that. Um, so it's mainly it's mainly the rock and the guy Sean, uh, the guy who plays Sean in The Walking Dead, um, which was interesting. Um, so anyway, so yeah, I, I I'm so dumb in the sense to go back to the original premise is I'm so dumb that like there's so many new stuff that comes out in Star Trek. 
is the pinnacle of why I, I don't make sense as a human being in terms of some of the decisions I make because I am such a huge Star Trek fan as people who listen to this podcast would know. I've, I watched Next Generation with my dad, my brother liked DS9, um, I'm a huge Voyager fan so much so that I've got the Voyager uh, insignia on my, as a tattoo. Um, on my arm, by the way, I wasn't going to go on my arse, no, <laughs> on my on my arm. So I um, really wanted to see this Star Trek Discovery, even though when I read about the premise and the fact that it was sort of a, a prequel, uh, again, uh, because they, they they obviously looked at Star Trek Enterprise and went, yeah, we'll, need, we'll do another prequel, we'll do another pre-Kirk, uh, or, or was it, yeah, yeah, I think it's from 50 years before from what I remember. Um, and I'm like, but like with all the technological technological advances in our time to make filming and stuff like that, and the amount of time that it's been between a series being on the air to now, you, I was I would be so fascinated that they could they could write what's happened since we've been off. That's the huge advantage about not being on TV for that long and being on a franchise. You could fill in the blanks. And work out as as tiring and as demanding that would be to work out the sort of twelve year history or whatever, however long you want to make it. It would have been fun. It would have been fun to do that. Um, I would have thought. And then, obviously, as I said, with the advances, you know, because you watch like Voyager and Enterprise, and that was when sort of CGI. You know, there'll be pe- you know people under twenty will not understand this. Is that you know CGI was first used like predominantly in Voyager because it was originally sort of hinted at uh with um uh I'm forgetting the name um you know because Claudia Christian was on this uh, Babylon 5 yeah there you go just took a bit of time to think and yeah so Babylon 5 which was a which was on channel 4 here in England but it was a I think it was an American show and yeah that was like the first one that sort of started to use CGI in the sort of mid 90s and the 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 level it's reached now is unbelievable um, so yeah, I, I'm just dumb that I don't, uh, but then, as I said, the reason for waiting is because I wanted them guys to confirm, the Engage podcast guys who do a Star Trek podcast, um, that they'll come on the show and then I can binge watch it and then the idea is we're going to debate what we thought about it. And as far as I can tell, if you read any uh, reviews and, and opinions of, from people, is that the general consensus seems to be like it's like typical, like a typical Star Trek thing. Very much sort of like some people really like it, but quite a lot of people are are bashing it. Um, but you know, uh, I I have failed to met a person who doesn't like the new incarnation of the films, even though obviously like the the, the Kirk and Spock generation just redone. Whereas I really struggle to like them. I, I quite like the first one. Um, I I couldn't handle uh, in the darkness. I thought it was dumb. Um, and it was just, uh, you know, trying to sort of uh, mention the premise of that, uh, you know, it's not Khan, it's not Khan, and then they reveal him halfway through the film, and it just completely screws the film up. The last, like, hour is just so completely dull. Um, I, I just find, I, I think, because, like, if you go along the first film of revealing and starting off that they're not the crew it leads to less of an enjoyable experience. Like, it makes it harder to make the sequel, I found. Um, so, I, I, but obviously they would have done that because of how successful the first one is, so I'm not knocking that. Um, but yeah, I just don't, I, I don't really acknowledge the, the films as kind of 
really Star Trek. They're sort of uh, uh, almost like a, uh, well, they are in a sense because they're a parody of the originals. Um, you know that they, they seem entertaining enough. But my point is, I haven't met a person who doesn't enjoy them. That doesn't enjoy them films because of, I guess, they're now in the sort of uh, Marvel-esque universe in terms of the the way that they're made, in that they're all about you know sort of actions and you know how many buildings can we throw this person in and uh, how how fast and how close to the ship can we get to so we can look through windows and I, I'm less bothered by that and more involved more bothered about it and should be more involved in the in the content and the writing and what's actually going on. And that leads me to, I did take the plunge into, into the new, uh, series recently in a show called The Expanse, which is on Netflix. It's an original show for Netflix. And I, I read the premise of the, we've basically, uh, Mars has been colonized. Cause I typed in sci, actually before I get to that, I typed in sci-fi thinking, well, I went, well, what's my favorite genre? Cause Netflix gave you the option to do this. And I went, well, I love sci-fi. So I'll, I'll go sci-fi. Um, um, and then I'll look at like the, the top suggestions basically. So I, I read the summary of the expanse and basically it was like, we've colonized Mars, uh, and Mars and Earth have a strained relationship, but in the middle is the expanse, like an asteroid belt type situation where traders go back and forth to earn money. And because of the strained relationship between Earth and Mars and that the threat of war is going to happen, is that they've actually uh, they've actually bred and lived in this expanse. So I think they were called Beltas or something like that, but they were actually like sort of named a race, um, uh, you know, like the Expanses or something, like an actual like sort of different type of human. And they're treated as sort of second class citizens, and that was and so I watched the pilot. And that was sort of drilled home and drilled home and drilled home. And I found it like, and I, I the reason I'm bringing this up is because this is a, 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 this is reinforcing why I either don't pick well or I don't get why new shows are interesting. Cause I watched like the, I think it was a 45 minute pilot and I watched 30 minutes of it. And I was slowly during that period of time losing the will to live. I found it like the most dullest thing. I've watched in quite some time. It was because there was a lot and lot of filler. And as someone who's, you know, sort of dabbled in a bit of production and sort of knows at least in some level how, you know, by what, by what I just said that I understand like how it sort of works is that like there's so many just shots of like going through the ship um sl- like showing the ship as it's moving because basically they're on like a cargo ship and they basically reveal like the crew that work on it um sort of one one person at a time and it was just a lot of like slow shots a lot of like zooming in and out and loads of like cgi shots and green screeny type things and i'm just like and i'm just like uh like enjoyment because zero gravity, the whole idea in have you know being in zero gravity is that it's hard to move. So, <laughs> so that situation when you're having sex with somebody isn't the whole idea to move around and like sort of change positions and stuff. Get that? And I, and as I said, like and part and I and I was going. So the whole premise of the pilot that they're having a relationship, it's sort of hinted at that some of the crew know. And I'm like, part of me's like, and. It's shouldn't. Why is that a big deal? Like, 
I keep thinking in these situations where they, they, they all seem to be like sort of prudish in these series about the idea of like crew members getting it on with each other. Like it all seems to be frowned upon. Whereas I like sort of sit there like, cause I mentioned this about, there's an episode of Star Trek Voyager where the cap, where like there's the crewmen are like sort of, um, being, being sort of, found out like they're in the turbo lift and a couple of ensigns are kissing each other and Chakotay goes to Janeway and goes you know what do we need to do about protocol because we're you know 70,000 light years from home and so what are we you know you know Star Trek protocol doesn't really say you know you you have to get permission from your captain to be in a relationship but like you know what if the whole crew come here that seems a bit weird and the captain's response, quite rightly, is, and I loved it because it's like not really kind of what a captain should say, but kind of common sense, which goes, "Well, if we're good, if it's going to take us seventy-five years to get home, we're human beings after all. You think that casual relationships or proper relationships are going to happen by by circumstance? So I don't understand the premise to go back to. She's completely right. I don't understand by like, going back to the expanse." why them two getting it on with each other maybe i have to watch a bit more episodes to kind of get why it's such a big deal but i was like it, it was almost sort of making out that they were having like a, a, a behind the scenes relationship and i'm going so i spent a lot of the time like going so what but maybe because uh my friend nick made a really good point when i was telling them about it uh a while ago but i was like well the problem with pilots is could you name can you name a laundry list of pilots that are good and i'm um, it's it's a really really good question because uh i really uh i really think i could name maybe a few pilots in my entire life of watching things that i thought were really really well made and you know set the series off the go-to pilot that episode that i i say is one of the best ever made is stargate sg1 um because it was like, I think it was a two hour special. My friend Scott was telling me about this because he, he was a huge fan of it. Um, and we would, I, I mentioned this to him a while ago. And he, I think he's right in saying that it was almost like a mini film because it was an extra special long episode. And obviously they had, <coughs> pardon me. They had the, the film with Kirk Russell to, to, to go off the back of. So it was already an established franchise. Um, so yeah, so, but even so, you know, having the fact that some the characters were recast because it was originally James Spader as Daniel Jackson, then it became Michael Shanks and Richard Dean Anderson replaced Kirk Russell, you know, so it was already established characters. It was, a, I thought, it's one of the best made pilots because it has action, it has the 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 thing with teal changing sides, which you don't don't expect. Um, and the and and like and it ends by them establish like sort of establishing Stargate Command and going we're going to go on missions and go and explore worlds and I'm like what a great premise like you want to see them what they're going to find and explore and how their relationships grow and they did a really good job of like you know the because of because of circumstance like is is Carter and, and Jack O'Neill going to get together? And like, Daniel, is Daniel Jackson going to be respected more for just being like a sort of, um, nerd essentially? <laughs> um, 
it is still gonna you know adapt to being on earth um because he's an alien so it's like it was such a i i think that pilot's amazing the other pilot that i thought was really good and i've been re-watching some of the series of that again <laughs> a series i've already seen because that's that's who i am um is how about your mother even though I think some of that episode, that that's a very hit and miss show, because some of the episodes are really, really not great, but some of them are really, really good. And because I like when they deal with a really serious subject matter, um, which because I, I think it's less like what Friends are like. Because even though yes, Friends had some serious subject matter about you know them not getting pregnant, meeting will be pregnant, we having single parents, and so, but they were always underskewed by Chandler saying something silly and good for the gag. Um, whereas uh, How About Your Mother lets that flow, which I think is why I think it's a little bit superior. Um, maybe Friends is funnier. I'd probably, probably most people will agree who's listening to this. Um, but anyway, um, I, I, if you want, I mean, it's no comparison if you compare the Friends pilot to to, to How I Met Your Mother, but but obviously they had an advantage of being a lot later. But yeah, I think the the, the pilot episode of How I Met Your Mother is really good because it establishes. That Robin and Ted want to be friends, but they like each other, and they kiss on the roof. And and you meet Barney, who's in, who's weird, and Marshall and Lily, who are his friends, who decide to get married. Um, I think I'm right in the pilot episode. I think I'm right in saying that, but maybe I'm wrong. But but um, but anyway, so it, it's just it's just a really really good pilot episode. I remember like just really really enjoying it. Um, and I love that shot. And I remember you'd say this because it's just funny. Is they, they do like what I call like the sort of money shop with the, the, the good looking girl in the series is where um there's a scene in How About Your Mother where Ted looks over to Robin and she's wearing like this jump a sweater thing which kind of shows her figure um and she just looks amazing and like Ted's staring at her and like you know the reason I say it's the money shot is because like every guy who watches that series you'd be like you know look at Ted's face sort of drooling and going yep yep I'm 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 on board with this idea. <laughs> I'm with Ted on this. Yeah, I understand why he likes Robin from across the room. Um, but um, but yeah. So maybe to cut a long story short, with the Expanse, I might give it another shot and maybe watch a couple episodes and then reserve judgment then, because maybe watching something for half an hour is a bit unfair. But um, but yeah, it was just hard, really, really hard. And actually, like, I actually sat down and watched it without doing something else. I'm usually a person who'll watch like a game or something, and I went, "No, I'm going to give it's full of me my my full attention to this." And I just was like, "I'm I don't care, like I, I'm struggling to care." Um, but yeah, in terms of some of the other film, like I, I like I watched the Witch Hunter as well, which was with Vin Diesel, which was weird seeing him outside of the Fast and the Furious or Pitch Black universe, um, or Riddick universe, I should say, um. That was an interesting show because again, as a Michael Caine, who's who, die, who like uh, the whole premise of the film is he dies and they're trying to get a curse off him. Um, I thought that was an interesting. I've watched like two thirds of that and I'm going, it's quite entertaining. But again, like one of these things, it's like I, I'll just it's, you watch it for the action value, um, which is which is why I think it's sort of an interesting premise when you ever think of of action films that that are made. Like the really good ones have that you root for them is you know like obviously you get the bad guy whatever it is but like if you have empathy um which is why like i when i i borrowed taken which was the the famous film that got 
uh, Liam Neeson back into the sort of back into the fold of being an established actor again because it was like supposed to be it was a direct DVD thing it was like limited for release and obviously like became iconic with the sort of uh, I don't know who you are um which so I hadn't seen it I remember I remember the family guy parried in it um that um that particular speech uh, which was done by Kim at the Frog which I thought was hilarious and um and so I borrowed it off uh, my friend Nick and Alan, her husband, and I've watched that about a hundred times since I borrowed it. It's still actually in my DVD of my laptop as I'm doing this. And um, the reason I liked it is because revenge kind of works. I know it's like the go-to action thing, but the difference is like there's a lot of things where it's all like they, they do it all mysterious and go, you got to work out what's going on. Tegan's just like, his daughter's been done. He's an ex-like CIA type guy. He's going to go and, like, try and win her back. Great. Let the action commence. Because, you know, and I and I thought the idea of that he was a father that wasn't respected because of his job. And he's bitch of an ex-wife, played by Fami Janssen. I remember, like, if she, I, I'm, I'm intrigued, like, I would love to one day get the opportunity to ask her, like, you know. Were you kind of concerned that you're going to be looked at differently? Because she has no redeeming qualities at all. She just, like, every scene she in is just... I'm going to attack my ex-husband because I'm a prick. And he's just, like, trying to do good. I mean, obviously, there's a backstory she sort of mentions, like... But then there's a scene where she goes, all them phone calls, I'm, like, waiting for the phone to ring when we were married. And I'm going, I get that, but is there any need to be a dick now? You know, like, for your daughter's sake? Like, she just doesn't, she doesn't come off well at all. And I, I remember making this sort of point as well because that was made by... um uh, uh, Luke Benson, the French director, writer guy, who's really good. I like a lot of his stuff, and I know some people criticize him because he sometimes makes some really dumb stuff as well. But um, he really does not do sequels because I think I'm right in saying he was involved in the first Transporter with um, with Jason Statham. And if you watch some of them stuff now, because I know they did like the Transporter Reloaded, which is basically just another word for we're going to redo this and try and make money off it. Because the second and third one of that was appalling. And I know I've said this on this podcast before, but I went to see the pic to the pictures to see the second one, and as I say, it has the worst stunt in the history of films, where there's a bomb on a limo and he jumps and he revs up the limousine, barely a limousine with like the that weighs like you know a million tons, and he drives it off the harbor, which has a convenient ramp at the end. It turns in midair 360 degrees and the bomb hits a crane that is on it, that is out of the harbour. Like conveniently like just hooked over and it hits the bomb off the limousine and the limo lands on the other side of the harbour the right way around and he drives off and you're like bullshit. Do you have any idea how impossible that is? There is no way in hell that he could have calculated that. Like, that's a one in a billion chance. No, and then, like, I, I get very pissed when people go, it's an action, it's an action film. It's an action film, Stephen. You should just, like, you know, suspend your disbelief. And I'm like, yeah, they're suspending your disbelief, like, wrestling. Where you go, okay, it's fake, and they're just doing funny moves and stuff. But there's, the, the best wrestling matches and the beauty and the art of it is that it, it, it's make-believe to the point of that you think it's real. 
So you know watching a film that it's not real because you're sitting on your chair watching a screen and knowing that it's a bunch of actors who've got together to do it, make a film that's entertaining. But don't insult people's intelligence, like. You know, like, that's another thing, like, I want to see a Fast and the Furious where two cars collided on a bridge. Like, he, he decided to, they were on a motorway and they're going opposite directions. So he, he, he pulls the car and he jumps and at the same time jumps out of the car and the other car and he, and it like lands and hits the other car as it's going the opposite direction. And I'm going, are these guys like, you know, um, Mensa maths majors who can calculate, you know, you know, force mass and acceleration and go, right, I need to go this, I need to go this type of miles an hour. Like that, that, that street drivers, which are, you know, no offense, but I'm assuming they're not the most intelligent people in the world. And even then, if they're that level intelligent, the chance of them doing that is completely, virtually impossible, you know? And they always make it out that, like, if he doesn't do this stunt, they're gonna get away. Like, the, like, you know, the, the characters were always like, you need to stop them, man, we're too far away. Um, it's really quite dumb. Um, so anyway, so, so, I, I'll give The Expanse another shot, but like, um, uh, I'm enjoying going through Netflix and seeing one of the things I think is pretty an awesome documentary that I've been watching which is totally out of the blue and I wasn't even going to talk about this because I've got other stuff to say but um, was I've been watching World War 2 in colour which is unbelievable the footage because they got obviously permission from a bunch of archives here in England and in Germany and whatnot. And I've got no idea who made this documentary I, I use the Wikipedia things while I'm watching but it's amazing because of the, you know, I know I I use amazing flippantly because obviously World War's not, um, not an amazing thing, but it's just a really good documentary in terms of reminding you how awful that situation was, and the fact that it's in color and like restored video and that like there's a lot of like you know bits with Hitler and um and Churchill like sort of um you know rallying the troops and it has a, the the original the original speech of um, we'll fight them on the beaches and you know it mentions Dunkirk in it which um obviously is the the film was made by Christopher Nolan which even in that documentary which I I I remember doing this in school that like it was a huge you know big deal because you know and 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 it and it explains quite quite well because it's a good it's a it's like a a, a com, there's a commentary guy who explains what's going on and as the as the the documentary goes on he it's a voiceover and it basically just describes you know the mistakes that I made that led to you know ultimately world war 2 winning and um the fact that that dunkirk was such an important um uh, if in terms of England was such an important thing, and obviously America getting involved uh, because uh, you know hundred thousand soldiers got saved roughly from Dunkirk, which led, led got them back to England, uh, which gave us the opportunity to defend ourselves because and um, the French and Polish squadrons. Which when I watched this documentary, even more, I remember the only criticism of Dunkirk, the film that I saw. Which this documentary sort of reinforces, not, not, obviously it was, this was done pre the film, but that it mentions the sacrifice of the French and there's even like a Polish contingent of, of, uh, squadron that end up with play, um, fighting for France during this time. And they get next to no mention in Dunkirk. Uh, they do say that the French are protecting the town and the general who's played by, um, Kenneth Branagh says, we're going to stay and help the French. But I remember some like French critics, of the film was saying how, you know, that the French got like no representation. It was all about the English and, um, which I thought was 
maybe maybe quite a valid point. But then the problem with filmmaking is you 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 have to sort of make that decision. You know, it's always going to be over one person's interpretation. And I guess with Christopher Nolan being English, you know, that would have appealed to him. Um, but at the same time, you know, he shouldn't sort of uh, under under undermine um a, a, a significant thing especially in an historical context so anyway but i, I honestly recommend dunkirk i've been saying this to ricky uh ricky who sometimes obviously co-hosts this as well as mentally sound that um it's well worth saying it because it, uh it really immerses itself in it and it's like got very little dialogue in it and uh and as i said a, a few episodes ago it, like harry styles was like good in it um i was quite shocked but maybe it's because you know film that he barely talks um, I think he probably has more lines than anybody. You know, that's what's so interesting about it is that you know, like the main actor who like you follow around, who's in most of the scenes, like barely says anything. Um, so, so there you go. Um, so yeah, as I touched on earlier in the podcast, I'm not going to talk forever. As probably I was going to aim to talk for about an hour just to so I get an episode out. But um, a few things I I wanted to touch on. Uh, we did like 20 minutes, been talking for about 40 minutes, so. Um, is, uh, like I touched on, I'm, I'm approaching 30, which is, um, an interesting thing. And I, I guess I wanted to talk about it because, um, it's an interesting milestone for me in more ways than one, which is why I'm probably not as freaked out as some of my friends are about turning 30, even though I think 30 is like not even remotely old. Um, is, as people who have listened to this podcast before know that I've talked openly about mental health. And my struggles with bipolar disorder. Because I basically had two major breakdowns in my life. Um, one was at university and one was a few years ago. And it's been obviously a constant source of problems. Um, I've, re- I've been wanting to... Um, and and uh, to, to talk about this because... Um, basically I didn't think... I had... When I was really, really ill... And because of how explosive my disorder can be, you know, it can be... Because basically you get two different sides of bipolar. You get bipolar 1 and bipolar 2. And bipolar 1 is, like, affectionately known in America, is bipolar-like. It's cyclothymic. Uh, which basically sort of means that you you kind of have, you know, mild to average symptoms uh, every day in your life. Whereas bipolar, bipolar 2 can lead to severe mood swings... Um, sometimes hallucinations and, you know, basically struggling to lead an everyday life. And I, like most illnesses, fluctuate between the two. So I'm fortunate in the sense of that I'm not a two all the time, but I can be. Um, so I'm obviously like floating around sort of average middling. Uh, but obviously like you can get a day where I'm a two, you know, like, you know, it, it fluctuates in that sense. Um, so when I've been like really, really seriously ill, um, I, I did, and you read about the fact that anyone with sort of severe bipolar disorder have very poor lives, lives. Um, you know, the risk of suicide is a lot higher. You know, they sometimes live a poor lifestyle. Like, not willingly, it's just that they struggle to look after themselves and all that kind of thing. And I do have, uh, certain things that I struggle to do, like, you know, um, for what, like, you know, stuff as you know look after my like like tidy up my flat every now and again and 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 and, uh, do everyday sort of chores when i live on my own like sometimes that can be you know sort of overwhelming because of what i've got to do to to you know get out to bed and and all that kind of thing and so like it's a really really big deal for me is the point because um 
I did, you know, get reaching third. You know, I I remember reading a lot of case studies, um, where basically it was sort of like sort of there was a lot of people not reach thirty if they've ever like sort of experienced, you know, the set like bipolar two levels of 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 difficulty. So it's kind of a milestone for me in that, like, I'm actually proud. This is going to sound dumb, but I'm sort of proud I've reached it, and I and I at this moment in time feel like sort of pretty happy, like sort of content enough that like there's no risk of me not reaching it in the couple of weeks' time because this is the most like I've had difficulties which I've talked about in the last few episodes and on mentally sound in particular of like bereavements and stuff that I've been going with but like I've actually I actually feel like I'm I'm actually in a good place um you know that might change rapidly or whatever it is but I'm just saying like I dealt with what's been happening in my life is pretty well all things considered my mom's still going through particular difficulties because she just celebrated her birthday and she just rang me today to say she's not feeling well um so that's not fun but on the whole like i've dealt with it as best i can and like i was really obviously worried that like i was going to go over the end i mean obviously i have been affected by it because i'm doing a lot less podcasts because of this lack of energy and um i found out recently that i've been suffering from chronic exhaustion you know as and i think it you know it can be you can get that through you know bereavement and depression and because like I've been sleeping, but I've been having like these sort of vivid dreams and uh, like really like quite nerve wracking dreams about a lot of it to do with like different ways of being in terrible situations, like like you know being a firefighter and having to deal with fires and being on a train that's going to collide with another train, and I'm like really not nice. Uh, and I was struggling like I, you know when you wake, you know I've been having like consistent days where you sleep, you know you've slept, and you wake up and you feel absolutely exhausted like you've not slept at all and that's that i've been feeling like that for about i've been feeling like that for about a couple of weeks um so i've been sort of like you know napping during the day and trying to sort of um you know just get by um so it's really really difficult like you know i've had periods even doing this 45 minute podcast where my energy levels just go like and um you know it's really sort of difficult to um to to have like a keep going keep going keep going keep going when you just feel you know like you want to close like there's been periods of time when i've been talking on this podcast where i've literally had my eyes closed just so i can focus on what i'm talking about um so that's the level it can get um but anyway so um so yeah so so that that so that's a big milestone obviously and i don't know whether or not i'm going to do anything um whether I'm going to do anything sort of uh, interesting for my birthday, I've even I've I've kind of thought about maybe I could get my sister on. That was something I wanted to do last birthday, and we nearly got it dealt with. So maybe as a birthday treat, I might because um, my my sister's coming for my birthday, being it's my thirtieth. So maybe I could go around on the Saturday beforehand and um, and uh, sit down with her. But we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll see what she says. But. Um, but yeah, so maybe that's the solution to to doing something. On it. And uh, in terms of future guests, so as I said, I need to talk to Emma Kenny again um, about being on. Who's uh, she's on? She works on the Crime Channel. And uh, Hannah, uh, I need to get back in contact with because we've rearranged a few times, and she'd moved to Norway, I think it was, um, or was it Sweden? One of the two. Um, so she was supposed to be on. Who was on Mentally Sound, the other podcast we do. 
um, a few weeks ago, uh, a few a couple of months ago, and uh, she's rearranged three or four times. So, so yeah, it's just been a combination of a few other guests who have just said yes, I'll be on, and then cancelled last minute, and not like rearranged because like in the previous time, whenever I've had guests on, I usually try and like sort of rearrange with them, and because of like not being able to, um, and Ricky's been away. That um, the only solution was I thought, well, I've got some time today. I'm just going to do like a solo episode to keep people in touch. Um, but in terms of my birthday, while I'm on that subject, is um, I decided to treat myself for my thirtieth and get some day nine merchandise, and I just wanted to talk about how awesome he is. Um, for those who don't know who he is, and this is relevant to Geek Apocalypse because I used to do twi- the Twitch channel. Um, was uh, he's a Twitch? Ch- he's a Twitcher. And he does, um, I think that's right, is that what you call him? Uh, he's a streamer, and he's a streamer of video games. Um, and he, and he's arch- he archives them on YouTube, so I've been watching a lot of his videos recently, because um, he's very entertaining, and I'm being a huge video game player, um, and board game person and whatever. Um, I've just really enjoyed his playthroughs, because um, he, he has a thing called Day Nights Day Off in particular, where he plays a, a whole day of a game. And so I watched Faster and Faster Than Light a couple of days ago, which is a great independent game, which I'm sure any video gamers who listen to this have heard of. So I've been playing that because I watched him play it and go, I've not played that in a while, so I've been playing that a couple of games of that every now and again. And um he's just really, really good. Um so I've always wanted to buy like a t shirt of his to because I'm not on Twitch often enough to subscribe to him. And obviously, I mean, that would be less money, but I'm like, ah, if I buy his t shirts, I'm actually contributing to him, he probably gets half the amount of what I pay him. Um, so I managed to get a really, really good deal where I got the delivery for free and I bought an extra t-shirt on the site that he has because it's a company he uses. So I got like a hoodie and a t-shirt, um, with this logo on and, um, yeah, it's good. probably going to take a couple of weeks. So it'll probably be after my birthday when I get it. But, um, I am so excited. Um, and it leads me to, cause this has been like making me laugh a lot and I encourage you guys to listen to this, uh, to watch these videos, even if you haven't, you're not like a day nine fan or whatever, but like if you type in day nine funny videos, there's loads of him on like Hearthstone and there's one of him like really early on where he just kind of says really funny stuff and he's a really good nerd and he's very kind and polite and he's known for Starcraft mainly. Um, like he's an esport commentator for Starcraft. Um, and eSport, if you don't know what that is, is the the company that runs video game competitive uh, stuff. So they did like Counter Strike commentary for a lot of the the big StarCraft uh, competitions because he used to play that. Like really good. Because I've I've been watching him since like 2012 or something. Um, so I'm really super excited for that uh, that that joke, the math micro joke, and how he laughs at himself. And there's a bit where he just he there's a kind of um. But yeah, so, um, you know, because a lot of these, like, video highlight things, the one that I watch is one that was done for a competition that Day9 ran to say, like, come up with the best, funniest competition. Um, and also there's a clip of him and um, one of the other casters, and, and, and I should know the guy's name, and uh, DJ, I think it's D- Wheats, DJ Wheats or something. Um, and they do, like, a, a photo competition uh, contest at one of the StarCraft events. And Day 9 is, like, 6 foot 4, and uh, DJ Wheats is, like, under 6 foot. And someone did a Photoshop, and they were next to a whiteboard explaining some StarCraft uh, strategy. And it has an arrow from Day 9's head just to across to above DJ Wheats, and it has, like, just a, a sentence saying, you must be this high to cast. 
<laughs> and they laugh at it for a good two and a half minutes. It's a really good, funny, funny photo. So yeah, I just love his attitude. He's a very bubbly, happy-go-lucky person. And uh, so there's that video I watched is funny. And also because I've been getting back into poker, um, is this a fantastic video of, uh, I can't remember what, it, I, I've just suddenly lost, forgot the title, but it's something like Poker, Poker Rage compilation or something like that. So if you say something like that in, it's like 16 minutes. And it's a guy called Daniel Friedman. And the other guy is, um, uh, he's got a, like a, a handle and he was on like, and he's this old guy. And he got apparently famous. He got famous in like 10 years ago or so because he put these videos online of him basically doing poker sessions. So like it'd be in a cash game or a tournament. And he became famous because of how like irate he'd get after losing something or getting annoyed at other players. And it's just brilliant. Like, there's bits where he loses and he just goes like, Mother, motherfucking Christ! Like, fuck me to tears! And like, and he's like, I can't win a damn fucking hand! Like, all these guys, every time I've got a hand, they're just not even calling me! And like, whenever I've got, like, whenever I've got a really good hand, they're all just goddamn fallen! And then there's a bit where like, he loses $50, I think it's the first clip, he loses $50, and then he like, goes, right, um, that's what I wanted, I wanted him to go all in, so he calls him, and then he loses, and he goes, well, I gotta do it again, and he puts $50 in, and then about a minute later he goes, now I've just put another $50 in, that's, that's pissing me off! Oh, and this Daniel Friedman is an, uh, Friedman, or Friedman, I can't remember how you say it, is an absolute tool, like he can't play, I mean, there's a couple of them where he's unlucky. Like he has aces, yeah. But even then, he should have known he was beat. I don't know people who don't who don't know how to play poker. I'll not get this, but just watch it for his reaction. He's just dumb. Um, but basically, you have like I'll try and sort of briefly analyze. Like if you have two, you start off with two cards in Texas Hold'em. So you start with twos. That if you have a pair, of, like if you just have an ace and another card, then you have ace high because ace is the highest number you can have. So out of the two cards. So and then if you have pairs, so you have twos, threes, four, five, sixes, sevens, eights, nines, tens, jacks, queens, kings, and aces. So this guy, there's a, there's one of the clips where he has a pair of sixes and he has like fifty three dollars. So he must be playing like a cash heads up event. So it's him just against another person. So he raises like three dot to three dollars, and I think the start the, the bet's like one dollar. So he bets three dollars. Then the guy bets eight dollars. So then he re-raises all in with a pair of sixes. So to a, even in a quick analysis for even people who don't know poker, sevens beats him, eights beats him, nine beats him, tens beats him, jacks beats him, queens beats him, kings beats him, um, and even someone like someone with like ace king or ace jack or ace king or ace queen would call him because if a ace queen comes and the cards in the middle, then they're ahead. So he just decides to go all in. So the guy calls him. He's got kings. Um, or queens or something, so he's already behind, he flops a six, so he has three of a kind, so he has the two sixes in his hand, and a six in the middle, um, so, he, and he, so he starts going, fuck you, fuck you, like he's the greatest player ever, and like, because he, he's just like, we're going to flop a set, which is really, really, it was, like, no, percentage wise, it's the dumbest move, it even comes up, I think, the percentages, because it tells you on some sites, and he would have been like, you know, uh, Maybe had a twenty percent chance to win, something like that. He's got two. He's got two outs, basically two, um, unless the unless something else happens, unless the, the cards be nice to him. Um, but anyway, so he gets a six, um, 
And then, uh, with a couple of other cards, like a, I don't know, like a, let's for argument's sake, say a 10 and an ace. And then a couple of more, uh, spades come out, and the other guy has a queen of spades. So, with five, uh, spade cards, he gets a flush and beats him anyway. And then he starts like, he starts like screaming, and he goes, he gets a five, he gets a four card, four card flush. Um, and, um, and I'm like sitting there going, but the best hand held up, low the scale like this is to mainstream, is whenever you say something, you get like sort of put up. Um, and obviously, it's, you know, to, 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 before I, I, I mention what I thought was the, the real crux of this being revealed, if it turns out to be true, which I'm guessing with the amount of people that have come out that it's obviously that, that he's, that he's been doing this. Um, is I've been talking to behind the scenes, like to my friend, some one of my best friends, Nick, and um, you know, and all that kind of thing, and and talking to you know my my whole friendship circle, basically, like you know, what do you think? Isn't that outrageous? Um, but one of the things I'm I'm noticing, and this happens in mainstream media a lot, and people and on social media, you know, missing the point. Not that the, not that there should be a point in this situation, but just like the the premise of what good should come out of this and what shouldn't come out of this. Um, and what I mean is that, like, you see a lot of examples of people who take a, no- take a nothing situation and apply it to the worst-case scenarios. And I know Emma Thompson, in particular, made a really, really good point. Um, but in the same time, as to not misconstrue what she means, the way I understand it, is that she was like, even if you've done one harmful thing to a woman... Um, as opposed to Harvey Weinstein, who's clearly, you know, made unbelievably bad sexual advances, you know, whatever the scale may be, um, you know, to 50 women or uh, at least, um, it, you should be, you know, you should take that, you should suffer the consequences, whether it's one person or 50. Now, I understand that, but then it doesn't mean that there's certain situations that happen that are a misunderstanding or, you know, because, and to clarify what I mean, it's like Adam Sandler was on the Graham Norton show, for example, was it last, I think it was last Friday or the Friday, maybe the Friday before. And he's been getting flack on, on the social media because um, he was obviously promoting a film he was in and he like was touching the actress near him. And I saw the interview and he, and it, and it, and he was like sort of touching her on the the knee, um, and to me it seemed obvious, you know. I I mean it's dumb, and I'm a kind of touch like I'm a kind of <laughs> I've got to be careful how you say this, but like I'm a touchy feely person in the sense of like, like when I greet people, I would hug them, you know, for example, um, and I like it's it, it's it's to some people it's a form of communicate form of communication that like is trying to be you know friendly or whatever it may be, and I just think that's a misunderstanding that like she didn't want that she didn't want him to do that, and I think he was ner- he was clearly nervous because I don't think Adam Sand I mean I don't like his films anyway, and I think he's quite um a little overrated, and um. And as I said, I don't think he's made anything good to this big daddy, which was what twenty years ago. Um, so, but uh, to me, it seemed obvious he was nervous because any interviews I've ever seen him, and he's quite passive and quite nervous, and he's usually one of these people who doesn't like being himself, like a lot, like sort of act as escape themselves by playing other people. Um, so that's all that was, 
And then people are like using that as an example of how men get away with things. And I always like want to make it clear that like the point the point that's being missed is the original one of the original accusers. I think summed it up perfectly, and you can check it out if you want. It's every it's on every it's in a lot of publications. Like, um, but it was there uh, Rose Rose McCowan McCowan McGowan, um, who was one of the first people who said that Harvey Weinstein, you know, sexually abused her. Um, and it's like. Hopefully, that what this actually does is encourage people to speak up quicker. Um, so the level that that it's reached with this particular guy, because they're, they're claiming it's just like another thing that I find confusing is they can obviously Hollywood is as is got problems in this area that seems undeniable, especially now. Because like one of the things that I find very um uncomfortable as well is that one of the things is that you know how many films can you name where they sort of um suggest that that happens you know like you know there's a whole like sort of porn series isn't there where it's like is there some guy with like casting agency uh, from what people tell me um the the like you know that you gotta you know have sex with the casting agent in order to get hired it's always seemed to me that that was joked at because it was happening and so if it's a joke or a parody about a real thing, then no like sort of knowing that it knowing that it's happening means that like if enough people had talked about it to begin with, it would it would have stopped a lot sooner, which is what Rosie was Rosie's original point was. And that's really what this story should, the good that the what I said earlier, the good that should come out of it. And it is that hopefully people won't be sort of slut shamed as the way she phrased it, which I thought was a, a, a appropriate way of saying it. Because that's clearly, from what I can gather, what is the difficulty is that they get pushed into a corner um, and they get forced into, you know, sort of pretending it never happened, essentially. But if enough people talk about it when it happens and also that we don't accept it as a society which I think is where guys are included in this. And also, like, I'm very uncomfortable with the, this notion of the, the... Why make it a... It obviously happens to women more, and I'm not denying that. But why make it a... My, why make it a gender thing? Like, that's what I'm saying moving forward. That reinforces the stereotype of that every guy is like that. And I'm not like that, and I know a lot of people that aren't. You know, I've never done anything inappropriately with a woman who hasn't, you know, everything I've done it to that extent has been consent, consensual. And, and if it's somebody who's, you know, just like not wanted to, you know, said no or not wanted to go out with me, that's where it ends. Um, like it does in most cases. So, you know, this notion of the, yes, uh, it's all being woman because, you know, we're focusing on one case that a guy who's heterosexual, of course, it's going to be women who are the victims in this. But it does happen to guys, you know. An emotional abuse happens, and there there are there are people who get, you know, there are people who are guys who can be in a, in, a, in abusive relationships as well, whether it be emotional or physical. I don't think that's that that's a wise course of action to start saying that, like, you know, start to look at every single guy, like the Adam Sandler example, and go, we need to refocus how guys. Um, approach women because you know if you look at 
yes, that there's uh, there's quite a few number of guys who don't treat women women with any respect or or appropriate in it or, or appropriately. But there are guys that do because they're brought up they're brought up in an environment where they've been told that that's the way you should treat people. So I think that's the key point in all of it is to not sort of nitpick and look at situations that are not even remotely like this and go no like there are circumstances where you can just misunderstand something it's like are we going to reach a point where like say like i say i meet somebody and i greet them by giving them a hug and they go oh he was just doing that to get a quick feel and i'm like no um you know and obviously i and I, I just to clarify i don't do that in every example i'm obviously aware enough to go okay i'm it's just not appropriate to do that but i'm saying i do that with my friends and some if i mean any of my male, female friends i mean i hug my i hug my male friends does that mean i'm 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 abusing them in some way like it, it's it's like like don't make this out to be like a witch hunt for every example for a guy who 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 does something that's that's not not the same as this you know and, and, and as i said i'm trying to clarify like emma thompson made a very good point that like you know just don't make the uh, an extreme example tarnish a uh, one example of this happening but i'm saying this is an example of someone who essentially raped and attacked and you know emotionally destroyed some actresses to the point of that they couldn't work or they weren't allowed to work and you know he blacklisted them essentially for sexual favors i mean that's appalling and that's the level this is um, and anyone who abuses anyone is awful and that's what i'm saying it's not it shouldn't just be it shouldn't just be women related it should just be any abuse shouldn't be tolerated and if you are in that extent we need to work as a society to make it or to make it like good enough that um that that good enough is maybe not the right right phrase but like you know what i mean like as in that people are comfortable enough to come out and say that they've been abused that they don't get mistreated for it like that's the real like uh progress we need to make um and like i say and I, but i also think we need to make some progress and that it shouldn't just be about you know becoming amateur detectives and start saying right we're gonna we're gonna like you know abuse everybody's privacy and we're gonna we're gonna um nitpick at everything and go like remember that time when you did this i'm like like it sort of implies that the people aren't allowed to to make make mistakes like i say or be in situations that are may misunderstanding and like i've got to be careful when i say this because i know like say making mistakes and that like you know there are lines that you should never cross but i'm saying like you know uh, the example i always think of is that like does this mean that like if you go on a date with somebody and you attempt to kiss them towards the end of the night and you may like in the process of doing that and then they decide they don't want to do that they go no i don't want to get i don't I, I, actually i don't want to have a kiss it's not i don't want that is is you mis misconstruing the signals and mis misunderstanding the situation make you the extent to what we're just talking about like that's that's the example I'm on about is that there are situations where you just don't, where you 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 misunder you make a misunderstanding, but the, the the difference between that and the Harvey Weinstein thing is he knew what he was doing. Um, I mean that's the key, and it really just comes down to who is a bad person and who isn't. It shouldn't be gentrified.
Um, I think that's the key point because I, I get very frustrated when you see loads of stuff on social media where it's like a guy does something and he then gets just hounded. And as I say, it admit that makes it a gender issue there and then by saying when a guy does, but we should have the same attitude if a woman does. Like, so why is it not acceptable to defend guys for the same reason that we're defending women? That that that's that should be that should be obvious. Um, so I just I, I I just hope that we're careful is all, is all. But at the same time, I hope this is a really good thing because it's it's obviously going to be a really good thing. And if because it seems like um, unless there's some sort of Hollywood way, ironically, that he gets away with this, is that it's hopefully going to lead to you know women being completely more respected and and treated as you know equal citizens and not treated as sort of you know being objectified and um. Uh, and so it's just it's it's awful obviously that someone with that level of power um abuses it as they say um and you do read some of the stories he's just he's such a, a evil person that like you know he doesn't even have like conversation there's there's the stories that i've read that just you know churn as a human being you should be just what you know you want to i'm not i i mean this I don't mean this literally, but like you just want to like sort of punch the person. You want to defend these people because you know when he walks in and just basically starts, you know, essentially groping them and saying you have to, not even like having a conversation with them and just saying you have to agree to this. I mean that's just that's just that's just terrible. Um, and he deserves everything coming his way basically. Um, so so there you go. So hopefully this all works out, but I do agree just to summarise with Rose's comment, who was one of the first people who accused them, is that hopefully it leads to 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 women, but also everybody who suffers a bruise. I want to include everybody in the world that um and I know it's I know particularly this is a woman problem because you know women have it a lot harder. That's that's undeniable. But there you go. I'm just no. I'm just distracted because my 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 dog uh, Lister, who people know I've had since uh, the beginning of the year, is getting annoyed at the fact that I'm not paying him enough attention because I've been talking for an hour and he's not. He's just currently sitting right beside my computer chair, going, "What the hell are you doing?" And he knows it's nearly food time as well. So good good way to wrap the wrap the podcast up. Got anything to say, Lister? No, didn't think so. <laughs> he doesn't bark at all. He's like the most adorable thing ever. So anyway, so um, so yeah, just to summarise, um, I hope I, obviously um, as Halloween's coming up, uh, I hope people are going out and have fun, enjoy what they do, enjoy anything that you have planned. Um, like I say, with me and Ricky are going to be doing an episode probably tomorrow because he's had a really interesting weekend. I'm dying to know if he'll talk about it on the air because he went to watch the Anthony Joshua fight, so I'll probably talk about that as well as some horror stuff. And he went to meet a friend of his, uh, so I'm super. I'm. I'll not say any more than that because I don't know what he wants to reveal. But I'm, I, I might get it out of him in the next podcast. But I'm super excited to talk to him about it, and hopefully he'll talk about it on the air. Um, if not, I'll find out. But off the air, um, it's up to him what he reveals. But it, um, he's he's had a really good weekend. It seems so. I'm happy to talk to him about that. Um, as I said, I encourage you to watch like Day Nine. Day Nine, who I'm a huge Twitch fan of. He's one of the few people I watch regularly. Um. So I'm excited for his merchandise. Can't wait for that to happen. And um, hopefully, um, I'll actually watch some more stuff on Netflix and not be such a 
uh, prude when it comes to um comes to new shows because <laughs> I don't know why I'm in that mood, but um I might give the expanse another try. Uh, I feel like I've been ultra harsh with it, uh, but there you go. Uh, so obviously, if you like this episode, thank you so much for listening to this solo episode. Uh, I hope you've uh, enjoyed it. Um, I'm off to go out late hours to see my friends at the pub and watch the Newcastle game where we play Burnley. Newcastle are playing great. I'm a huge Newcastle United uh, soccer fan. Um, hope they win tonight, so I'm looking forward to that. So I'm going to well, first things first, I'm going to feed my dog and feed myself. Uh, it's the first thing I'm going to do. Um, so yeah, I hope you um having a good night, whatever it is you guys are doing. If you've enjoyed this, obviously, please do subscribe to us on iTunes. And uh, before I forget, um, the, I know the website's been down for a, a while, uh, months. Um, and as I mentioned, if you didn't hear that part of the podcast, is um, I'm, I've been having sort of uh, not legal trouble with it. Um, but I sort of mentioned that like a company that owns the 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 domain name. Uh, has been asking for a ridiculous amount of money to get it back. Um, so I, uh, I've been figuring out whether I, sh- I was trying to figure out basically, should I just get another domain name and transfer everything over? Or should I, cause everything that I'm, like all the stuff that I've bought with Geek Apocalypse has got .com, um, as the registered name. So it would, it would cost a lot of money for me to change everything or do i wait for dot com to become available again and as far as i know i think it is i don't think anyone's took it so once it because it goes through like this really long process where it gets auctioned and if people want it and i guess they wanted a, they, they wanted a lot of money for it because it got a decent number of traffic obviously so yeah god knows so hopefully i'll be able to get it back and then once I do, I'll put the site up. But I've even considered paying for an alternate domain name and maybe just having both. So maybe something like geekapocalypse.tv or .co.uk or something. Um, and then see what happens. So what, once I figure that out, the site will be back up. And uh, we'll go from there. Um, so that's the reason that there's no website or any blogs or anything up. But like once that is, I'm going to probably write a blog about turning 30, actually. Kind of talk about in more detail about what I just touched on earlier about reaching that milestone. Um but anyway, um, thank you so much. Um, hope you guys have a great week. Obviously, have a good Halloween, and then we're going to do a Halloween special with Ricky anyway tomorrow. So please tune in for that. As well as, like I say, we've got some guests coming up, like Emma Kenny, who's a uh, who contributes to the Crime Channel. Um, so that's I'm fascinated to talk to her. She was on Mentally Sound. Oh, I said Mentally Sound just released over the weekend the latest episode um, where we talked to an asylum seeker and we talked to a guy called Tom who works for people who have rent issues in the UK. And um, we also talked to a guy called Amir, who uh, is a psychologist who talks about West and East way of dealing with mental health, which is fascinating. So the basic premise of like East deal with it in a more spiritual, spiritual sense and the West deal with it by giving you a shit ton of medication. Um, so that was the reason he got into psychology in the first place is because he thought he could make a difference in a non you know, medical way, which I think is an interesting premise because I would say spiritually I get more, um, it, it, what would be deemed spiritual methods, I get more um, comfort out of than any drug I've ever been on. So I'm not currently taking anything, but any anytime I have, I don't feel as good as when I like meditate and, you know, do all sorts of stuff that I've learned, you know, through therapy. Um, uh, it's a really, really, uh, really, really interesting 
uh, an interesting debate. So if you if that sounds interesting, it's a mental health show that we do once a month, which is actually on a ra- uh, radio station here in, in the northeast of England. It's called Mentally Sound, so do go on that and uh, have a have a listen. It's me hosting with Ricky um ricky thamon uh who's the co-host and we get guests on every uh, once a month so that latest episode october show was released on saturday so do uh, have a listen to that but all it leaves me to say is who's thank you for listening to the geek Potless podcast i'll end the podcast like they always end of the words of the great b movie robot josh crash and burn and you can find us on twitter at geek underscore apocalypse and we'll see you very soon for another edition of this podcast thanks guys have a good week bye <laughs>